freaking out of? This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Finished. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> All right, yesterday was day one of full squad workouts. Our Mariners insider is Shannon Dreyer. She's on the scene in Peoria, where I hear it's raining. What the heck's going on down there, Shannon? You know, the rain has stopped, but we've got 40 to 45 mile an hour winds right now with gusts in the mid-50s. So <laughs> it could be a challenge out there today. It's snowing here, so, I mean, I guess that's still potentially better than what we've got, but you better clear this up by next week. I, I mean, we're showing up for, for uh, shows all next week. We're counting on you to, to, to clean this up. Yesterday was good, though. It sounded like nice weather, et cetera. I'll ask you the same question I did before uh, workouts yesterday. What was loud yesterday? Okay, loud yesterday, again, pop of the glove and uh, kind of the curses you heard after Matt Brash faced a couple of big league hitters. <laughs> How ridiculous was he? Uh, he was absolutely ridiculous. I talked to J.P. Crawford afterwards, and he said when he was walking out of the box, I didn't even see that. And I went and I talked to him in his locker, and he just he was very animated. Started up here, came in over here, and then ultimately I didn't see it. He said it was just absolutely ridiculous and kind of the stock line of I'm glad he's on our team and I don't have to face him, although he might have to. Team WBC mm. will be playing the Mariners in one of the exhibition games and Brash has told Service that he wants to face them in a game. Oh, that's kind of awesome. Cool. That well, sounds I, like a little bit of a challenge to me. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm big time on the Brash bandwagon for this year. I have a sense that uh, before too long, he's going to be he and Seawald are essentially going to switch roles. That that Munoz will be fine, still their top leverage guy, but that Brash is going to be the one who's right behind them. Well, they're certainly going to have options. And you look at what you saw from Brash in the postseason, and that was kind of the question. You know, he hadn't been in that position before, and he came through. So uh, bullpens can be very fickle. Having guys that come back looking better than ever is a great thing, and the more great arms you have, the better. But certainly in spring training, it's looking very good for the Mariners. Uh, Have you had eyes on Teoscar Hernandez yet? Um, a little bit. Unfortunately, I've just seen one batting. He has not taken a live batting practice. I've seen him against the machine, and he seemed to be doing a little bit more of the veteran kind of tracking a few swings, but really haven't seen him really kind of unleash yet. How about Cooper Hummel? He's a name that, that we've barely talked about, um, and I don't know whether there's room for him on the team. I think there is. Obviously, they, they trade Kyle Lewis for him, whose value was way down. What have you Have you seen him out there yet? Like, who is he? I've talked to him a little bit, and he, you know, he is somebody. He did come up as a catcher. Catcher was his number one position. But in college, there were good catchers ahead of him. So if he was going to get at bats, it was out in the outfield, and that's where he learned to play some outfield. He said that he is going to work mostly with the catchers. He will do all the catcher work in camp, uh, and then when they're taking batting practice, go out and shag, try and get his, his looks in the outfield out there. Once games start, I think with the WBC players being gone, you could probably see him play in the outfield a little bit, but he's comfortable in either. He's a catcher at heart. 
he said. There's no question about that. He thinks like a catcher. And it'll be interesting to see what is in that bat. I don't know the way that they are kind of stacking up right now if there is room. I think, you know, when you look at the bench, the only place where it looks like you could have a spot is if you just don't see anything from Tommy LaStella during the spring, but, uh, you know, they brought him in and he, of course, his, his payroll is being picked up elsewhere. He is just a minimum guy mm. as he was DFA'd. So I think they're going to give him a good long look. So it really, at this point, doesn't appear like there is a spot, but as I've been saying, you know, all of these guys, Taylor Trammell, when he's healthy, Cooper Hummel, all of these guys, you're going to see them during the season. They're going to have an opportunity to be of impact. Yeah, and and rather see them than what we saw at the beginning of last year with Steven D'Souza, some of the problems that, that ended up, you know, cropping up there. So uh, we spent a lot of time yesterday talking Jared Kelnick and, you know, coming off being a Sports Illustrated story, et cetera. What's the reaction to that? I mean, you know, that's a lot of attention for a guy that didn't do a lot to necessarily deserve it over the last couple of years. I didn't really hear any reaction to that. I talked with him briefly. I'm hoping to talk to him about the entire process uh, of getting the bat fit, of what he did. He's not saying where he went to work out. I've got a good idea of where it was, but I just want to get a little bit more into that process and you know, give him some time to settle into camp. He's a, a guy that you know they are all familiar with. He's been up and down over the last couple of years, and uh, I think that the hope is by everyone, you know, they look at him and he is somebody that can potentially help this team. So get him to that spot where he can. So I, I don't think that you know guys would look at it and, and say that you know, or kind of just begrudge him for for getting that kind of attention. But um, he certainly has kept the imagination of of baseball people, that, you know, top prospect ranking that he had, that high draft number that he had, the stuff that he did in those workouts has stuck with him and stays in the minds of people around baseball as evidenced uh, by Verducci. Yeah. No, it's interesting. And and I don't know necessarily that I thought that they would be, you know, bitter that there was attention, but it's funny. It seems like every time he gets into the, hey, there's no pressure, don't worry about it kind of space, we talk about it. And then that sort of feels anyway as if it brings a lot of that expectation and the weight of that right back to him. You know, I don't think I've ever seen that in camp or in games that don't count. I don't think that that is the problem or that you would see it really manifest itself in these situations and environments. And, you know, as I said yesterday, and we'll continue to say, it's all going to come down to what happens, you know, once these games are for real. You know, not even spring training games and having to prove himself or make a team. I don't think uh, I don't think there's any reason for him to be too worried about that. They've got to give him big league bats and see where he is and see if, if he has figured it out and can help this team and then go from there. Uh, but that's where it's going to be in the regular season games, and that is where – the problem has always been. So uh, I think he is just a wait and see, and there's no way around that. Hey, Shannon, how does Julio look? Julio looks like Julio. <laughs> he looks fine. He looks uh, you know, like he is picking up from where he left off last year, uh, very light out on the field. You see him laughing a lot. They had the pop-up drills yesterday, and he was probably the loudest one on the field. And you recall there were a couple of problems last year with the communication <laughs> in the outfield. It doesn't sound like 
that's going to be a problem this year. Uh, we have seen him, uh, you know, have the good batting practices. I look at him, and it just looks like what we saw from Julio early on, what we saw from him in spring training, what we saw from him at his best. He kind of admitted that there's really nothing that he tried to add this spring. He's just focused on getting better at everything that he does. Did he face Brash? He did not. Yeah, probably for the best. I don't. I don't need Matt Brash out there embarrassing Julio. I'm all. I'm all in on the Matt Brash train for this year. I think he's going to have a good. You know who else I kind of think is going to have a real good year is Marco. What? Uh, where are you at with Marco Gonzalez? I heard he looked a little trimmer, and obviously you got the competitiveness. What do you make of Marco for this season? I'm really intrigued by what he could be this season. And you know, first of all, when you see him, it'll be like five years ago. It, he looks like he did when he first joined this team. He, I believe, lost at least 15 pounds and, and definitely looks a, a lot trimmer. He, you know, he worked out down in Arizona a lot more this year than he did in the past, and he took last year as a challenge, and he knows that he's got to continue to evolve. There is some talk of an added pitch with him. He may have added another slider, he said, which would give him six pitches. We'll see how that plays out, but you know, the book on him, it's really easy. He's got to hit his spots. He does not have any room for error in what he does, but he is up for that challenge. And, you know, he always has had that chip on his shoulder, but in kind of watching him and his evolution as the Mariners, I think there were times when it was a little bit too much. And I last year saw him relax a lot more. And I don't know, they say that a lot of the guys change when they have their first child. You know, the priorities change, the focus has changed, you go home, it's different, and perhaps that helped a little bit. Um, but he is, I, I don't think you look at his edge right now and, and say that it's counterproductive, where I think there were times when it was. Hmm. And I remember him saying last year that Robbie Ray helped him out with that quite a bit. So he's got the support around him. It looks like he has put in the work, came in in great shape, and I'm interested to see where it goes. Shannon, great stuff as always, and uh, you can read Shannon at uh, seattlesports.com. Great piece yesterday on the vibe in camp and lots more to come over the course of this month. Shannon, we'll uh, try to talk again tomorrow, and we'll see you next week. Get the rain out of there. We don't need that by the time we get down there. (laughs) Doing my best. Thank you, Shannon. All right, there you go. The great Shannon Dreyer, uh, our Mariners insider. And again, you can read her at seattlesports.com. I have arranged for somebody to drop by coming up in 20 minutes. uh, So we may argue a little bit. And uh, I might let you all talk to him. I don't know. I've got some different ideas of what we can do at 830. We're playing a little fast and loose. So we'll see what's coming up here in 20 minutes after Need to Know Next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it was fun hearing from Shannon Dreyer just a few minutes ago about the vibe in camp, which sure seems to be great. All 75 people working out yesterday, full squad workout for the first time. And it'll only be for a short amount, right? Because eventually a bunch of those guys are going to head off to the WBC, which is why you've got so many people in camp. But, hey, I'm excited. The talk at camp yesterday, and you heard it from Shannon Dreyer, starts with Matt Brash, uh, who was just ridiculous, throwing a bullpen. J.P. Crawford befuddled enough to ask what pitch he had just been thrown, had no idea, said he never even saw it. Uh, I love that, and I really am high on, of course, this bullpen again, but part of the big reason is Matt Brash, who I think... Look, I think he ends up as your number two leverage reliever. Is it possible he ends up as the guy? Yeah. 
his stuff is just as good as Munoz's is. And if he starts, if Munoz falters at all, which we saw a little bit at the end of last year, and he had the foot uh, uh, surgery in the offseason, wouldn't surprise me at all to see Matt Brash sort of take over as the guy at the end of games primarily. We'll wait and find out. Uh, we talked to Tom Verducci yesterday. He's pretty all in on what this Mariner team looks like. I am. I, I like the way they play baseball. I like the fact that they're a little more balanced this year um, offensively. You know, the, you always have to like their pitching, right? I think they're sort of like the Rays. They figured out a way to pitch where they love um, guys who throw from extreme arm angles. Uh, especially the lower angle, pitching high in the zone. They spin the ball really well. So I don't worry about them pitching. The rotation is just rock solid, as good as, as whatever is out there. Um, I thought they were short offensively last year. It's amazing they won 90, but uh, again, they found a way to win a lot of these close games. And they've done that quite a bit over the course of the last two years. If that doesn't continue, they'll probably be in some trouble, but they certainly have set their team up once again to have that kind of success. Here's the second thing you need to know. Seahawks starting to get a couple of deals done, but no, it's not the big one. No Geno Smith or anybody at the quarterback spot. Phil Haynes, uh, the guard, does sign a one-year deal worth some $4 million, another million in incentives. That was the report yesterday. Probably the end for veteran Gabe Jackson. He can save them a whole bunch of money if they make a move there to cut him in the next couple of weeks. Do I like it? Sure. It's fine. I think you heard from Michael Bumpus about a half hour ago that essentially that's a depth signing that allows them to go out and do more great and if that's the direction they decide to go that's fine with me uh they also re-up with special teams ace nick belore who uh, brings versatility at fullback and linebacker in addition to being a captain so a lot of reasons to want nick belore back as well Here's the third thing you need to know. Oh, we are deep into mock draft season, just about two months to go before the draft. And uh, we got a good one yesterday from Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com. He has got Will Anderson Jr. slipping all the way to number five. In his view, Arizona could fall in love with Tyree Wilson at number three. And with a couple quarterbacks going early, the next thing you know, you got a shot for the guy that might be the most talented player in the draft at number five. We talked to ESPN uh, draft guy Matt Miller yesterday, and he actually said that could happen. I think he's going to crush it at the combine, and you know it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot like last year, where we all thought Aiden Hutchinson was like the dude, right? Like he's going to go first, he's going to go first, and then it ends up being Trevon Walker in large part because of what he did at the combine. So I think with with Tyree Wilson, with Miles Murphy, those are, are guys that Will Anderson should be a little bit nervous about how well they're going to perform. Well, we'll see what happens. Combine starts next week. Uh, both Miller and Daniel and uh, Jeremiah had them taking Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver out of Ohio State, at number twenty. I can't, I can't do it. I love the player, and I do think they need another wide receiver. They don't have a lot of depth there, man. But at number twenty, I, I, can't, I can't. I just, I can't. I just, I think they need too much help on defense. Too much help close to the ball. It's hard for me to imagine them spending that pick at uh, at a wide receiver and me being happy about it when it's all said and done. All right, there you go. That is everything you need to know. And we do that quarter past every hour here on the new Brock and Salt show. Why do I have people texting in blaming me for you getting mad? I don't good know. Good job, Maura. Yeah, good job. How's that my fault? It's always your fault. I didn't know you were going to react to that cut like that. I know. I didn't it either. It just like slowly built. I didn't either. It just like sort of. Like a volcano erupting. All right, you want a funny cut instead? Since since that got me uh, all upset. Let me uh, let me play something a little bit more entertaining. 
entertaining. Uh, this is, I think, from that same two. What is it? The two two up two down podcast. This is uh, Tariq Woolen. So they asked this him. This one was a, a, a. This podcast is on a smaller scale. It At is. one point, literally, just like Tariq Woolen checked his phone and was like, uh, "All right, this has been fun. I got to go now." And they're like, <laughs> oh, "Okay, see you later." <laughs> All right. Well, cool. This is uh, Tariq. He's. They ask him about seeing Russell Wilson in person last year. And he's uh, very, very honest about what he saw. Seeing him in person, it was pretty funny because, like, on TV and stuff, you see him, like, like from college and stuff, you like, okay, he look in shape on TV. Mm-hmm. When you see him in person, it's, like, weird. He like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. He called Russ a sack of potatoes. Oh, my like, God. Like, oh, he looks in shape on TV, but not in person. <laughs> Bro, he might be out of shape. He's athletic, but he's out of shape. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love it. There you go. Tariq Woolen. Well, and then he said he was probably like 5'9", and then someone told him he was 5'10". He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm tall. I don't know. Yeah, all these short people kind of look alike <laughs> to me. What can I do? Anyway, good stuff from Tariq Woolen, who seems uh, happy. All right. We've got a guy coming in. G. Scott's going to come in uh, a little early this week, and I'm going to do something different. Have we ever taken calls with G.? Yeah, uh, well, he demanded to stick around once for them uh, when we were taking them. Was it a disaster? Should we do it again? Or did it go okay? Um, I think it was good. All right. Well, I'm going to – because I want to go through these these quarterback rungs with G, the, these five categories that we set up yesterday. And I need his help kind of determining where Geno Smith goes. And then I'm going to need some help from you guys figuring out what you do once you've put, you know, figured out what those categories are. So if you want to be a part of this, you can jump aboard a little early, 866-979-3776. We'll set it up and do it together next. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Oh, the people needed to hear this today on a Wednesday. Uh, I thought we'd bring in G a little early. I'm going to be out on Friday, headed down to Peoria a little early to see some buddies. So, uh, And for some reason, when you're gone. It's not the same. Not only is it not the same, they don't even want me in here. Oh, is that it? Or do you not want to be here? No, the only time that I am wanted here oh. is when Mike Salk is here. Oh. But when you're not here, no, I'm not even wanted here. They're like, uh, yeah, Mike's not here. It's like going. So forget it. Yeah. What? When Mike's not here, you don't come say hi to us. I mean, more. So to, maybe it goes both ways. What's up with that? Why won't you? Co- that, more. Why is that? Why more. won't you say hi to Mora when I'm not around? <laughs> Mora. Don't let facts get in the way of a good story. <laughs> Just saying, I think you guys might actually like each other. Oh, I think that's fairly clear. Well, what's, what's, what is going on in the Brock and Salk today? What is going on in the I was talking about my new world? friend today. Who's I, ha- friend? I have a new friend. Do you make a lot of friends in your uh, in your current age? Uh, less now. Yeah, fewer the than, o- than the, when you were younger. The older we get, I used to always say my, my dad, like, how come you ain't got no friends? Now I get it. Right. I have no friends. Well, that's because you don't go out. I mean, you don't do anything. <laughs> no, I don't. All right. Well, I made a new friend, I think. His name is Anand Nanduri. Okay. Do you know Anand? Uh, I've seen his stuff on uh, Twitter. I just saw it for the first time yesterday. First okay. time I'd ever seen him. Now he's my new friend. We're following each other. Okay. So I think that makes us friends, at least in the modern sense, uh, the meta, the metaverse kind of sense. Oh, so mm-hmm. uh, here's what he wrote, G, and I, I'm going to get your take on this. Quarterback situations in the NFL. He said, did you see this yesterday? Quarterback situations in the NFL. One, having Patrick Mahomes. That's one situation. Okay. Two, having a guy on a rookie deal that can go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. 
like oh. uh, Jalen Hurts or something like that, Joe Burrow Joe over Burrow. the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Three, mm-hmm. having a guy on an expensive deal that can go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow soon enough, right? Guys who are are in that elite category and making the money to, to prove it. Sure. Four, mm-hmm. having a rookie you drafted and are currently developing. Certainly, you can name some teams in that category. Or number five, Mm -hmm. overpaying for average. And he says, get out of five fast. It's a good point. And and I, I read through this yesterday, and I said, you know what? I really agree with that. I, I think all those are are true. It's it's a corollary to one of my views, which is the only thing worse than not having a franchise quarterback is having the wrong one, mm-hmm. right? Committing to somebody long term who's not the right guy, Kyler Murray, or I mean, for a long time I put Matt Stafford into that category. I might have to change that based on the fact that he finally won a Super Bowl. But committing to the wrong guy, ee, that that's even worse. But I look at the Seahawks last year, G, okay. and they weren't in any of those categories. They didn't have a guy on a rookie contract other than Drew Locke, who they weren't really developing. He wasn't playing. And they didn't overpay for anybody. They weren't even paying league average for anybody. And yet they had some success. Right. So so I think if they had been clearly in one of these five categories last year, mm-hmm. it'd be easy to know what to do with Geno Smith. Right. If they if he clearly was, you know, getting paid a lot of money, but not good enough to compete with a Patrick Mahomes and you say, all right, move on. Mm -hmm. But he succeeded last year and they succeeded last year, despite not being in any of these categories. It makes it hard to have a roadmap for where to go with them. Right. Um, I do agree with that. You're you're definitely right. It it is hard, both as I'm quite sure as we fans, we're all sitting back trying to figure out what the Seattle Seahawks are going to do. But how about this? How about we as fans, let's go off the history of the Seahawks. And I think that is the best way that we can gauge and have an idea Hmm. that we can sit amongst our friends and say, hey, you know, what are they going to do with Geno? If we go off history of the Seattle Seahawks, here's probably what they're going to do. This is the same Seattle Seahawks that just let Earl Thomas go bye-bye. This is the same Seattle Seahawks. That right before the season, before everything got going, that released Bobby Wagner, who's going to be a future Hall of Famer, that traded Russell Wilson. This is a Seattle Seahawks that basically, when it comes down to John Snyder and Pete Carroll, they are not married to not one player. They are married to the result. And the result is winning. And the result has been a 10-year run of a culture of winning. So if we're going to go off the history, which I think that we all need to do, we need to go off, maybe it sounds like this when they sit down with Gino. Gino, I know what's probably the market. The market is you were successful last season. The the franchise tag is sitting at about, what, 32, 33 Mm -hmm. for the season. And I know you're kind of next man up of what you've done. But here's what we have for you. And I think the Seattle Seahawks are saying you exceeded the expectation of both us, everybody out there. We know that you have the chip on your shoulder. But based on history, Mike Salk, I think the Seattle Seahawks say, hey, you know what? We got about $25 million a season for you. You want that deal? Cool. If not, you're going to have to go out there on the market and find somebody that's going to beat that. And then we're going to rack them and stack them. 
and we're going to take the gamble with this young guy, this 24-year-old Drew Locke. I don't have that coming from – there's no inside information that I have. Mm-hmm. This is all on the history. Would you like them to do it that way? So if I understand what you're saying, you believe, just based on looking at the past and using it as a guide for the future, yes, that the Seahawks will spend a little bit of money right off the bat to sign Drew Locke before dealing with Geno Smith, that they would sign Drew Locke first. And in fact, we talked to Brady Henderson yesterday, and he gave us you know some numbers on what that might look like. I'll, I'll see if I can find that for you. Hold on a second. He said that that would be in the like 2 to $3 million range to sign Drew Locke. I, I thought it would even be more than that. My feeling is that that number might be closer to, I don't know, 7 or $8 million for, for a guy who's at the very least, a capable backup and maybe more than that. But here's uh, here's Brady on Drew Locke. I, you know, I pulled a couple, actually four uh, different agents around the NFL, guys whose opinion I trust to, to get a sense of what kind of market they think he's going to have. And the opinions were pretty split. A couple of them thought he's going to get not much more than the minimum. Uh, and the other two thought that he was going to get more than that. One of them said maybe somewhere around $3 million. I, I tend to think that he's going to have a, a bigger market than some people realize. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Brady that it would be even bigger than that. But even if it's $5 million, mm. let's say, is that what you're saying? You signed Drew Locke to short money, let's call it $3.5 million. Yes. And then tell Geno Smith, 25 or go take a look at the market. Because of how the Seahawks do things mm-hmm. and the way they have built this culture in this standard and how they the ability to continue winning. Okay. I don't think that the Seahawks do it the way anyone else does it. They do it the Seahawk way. But is that, and with that being said, do I yes. have that right? Is, yes. that, is that what you think they will do? Yes. Let me ask you the follow-up question. I'm going to ask everybody listening the same question. 866-979-3776. Okay. Because I like that suggestion. Okay. Sign Drew Locke for short money. Can I just say I don't? Can I just say this real quick before yeah. we move on? I'm not moving on. We're staying with this. I wish, I wish in the perfect world that Geno could sit down kumbaya with the Seattle Seahawks and go ahead and get his $35-plus million Mm -hmm. a season, three years, $100 million contract. That's what I wish for Geno because I like Geno. Totally fair. The person. Yes. But But this isn't about that. But this ain't about that. No. This is... What I have seen, what we have seen. This is about trying to build a Super Bowl champion. And that's what the that, Seattle that's their that's job. What they do. It's not to be Geno Smith's that's buddy. What they do. And that's and what maybe they do. and maybe the best way to do it is to spend a lot of money on yeah. him. Maybe not. So let me ask everybody, and G, I'm gonna ask you the question mm. first, and then I'm gonna ask everybody else the same thing. Come on. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven seven six. Yeah. Do you like that plan? If if, if I put you if you if John Schneider yes, called you yes, and do. said, Hey, mm-hmm. Should I try to sign Drew Locke for a few million dollars and then tell Gino 25, take it or leave it, best and final? Would you be in support of that plan? Yes, because I because though I talk a lot of stuff here on the, on this show. <laughs> Constantly. And, 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 and because and your I, opinion I, changes I, I every day. A, I have a bunch of fun. Yeah. You know what I don't play with? My money. You know what I don't play with? Business. I am a different person, truthfully, when it comes to <laughs> hey, hey, hold on. Would you get your phone or your watch going? With your Apple Watch, you got to talk it. Okay. Let me, hold on. Hold on. Let me let me get back to being real business. All right. I am a different person when it comes to business. Yes. And so, yes, I do like that deal. Yes, the Seattle Seahawks position themselves and say, okay, we have a by the way, I do believe the Seahawks like Drew Locke more than people think For and sure. know. He is young, 24 years old, got, has talent. I think the Seattle Seahawks can do – I'm not saying that he is Geno Smith, 
But I'm saying that Drew Locke is in the system in which a quarterback can be successful if you buy in. Mm -hmm. We go back to the 2013, and I'm not trying to bring up the past. But we go to the 2013 uh, Seattle Seahawks, the ones that won the Super Bowl. We're getting ready to have the 10-year anniversary coming up here soon. They were 13-3. and three. You guys saw what they did to the Denver Broncos in that Super Bowl. Let me ask you a question. How many, how many yards per game in the playoffs, including the Super Bowl, did Russell Wilson throw for? It wasn't much. I'll answer it. It's like 160. 160. Yes, it have was. Right? Yes. Yeah. So... You, you probably listen to like, wait, what? Go go look it up. Look it up for yourself. Look at how many yards he threw for against the Saints and see how many points the Saints barely lost mm-hmm. by to the Seattle Seahawks, who we can all agree that were really good. Let me get back to its current day. This is what I'm trying to tell you, that how the Seahawks do things with their quarterback is nowhere near the way others do it. The Seahawks are going to well, be successful fine. next season. I, and I, I agree with all of that, Gene. Yeah. But but if you're going to take that view, uh-huh. it's hard to pay a lot of money for that quarterback unless you are sure that he's elite, right? He, he, I mean, you could make right. the argument even $25 million might be too much to pay for that quarterback given what you just said. I don't think it is. I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah. And I think the fact that Geno does everything he does, he doesn't turn the ball over, he's got a good arm, he's accurate, he was a good leader last year, he came up in clutch situations. There's a lot to like about Geno Smith. I, I, I just, here's what I, here's why I pause before wanting to say yes to what he might want. Okay. I go back to these, my, my new friend, Anand. And I and I think about these categories. Uh-huh. Could you reasonably say that Geno Smith is in category three, a quarterback on an expensive deal that can go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes? I can't say that. And that and that's not a shot at Geno Smith. I don't think I could say that. I don't think I could say that Geno Smith on an expensive deal is a quarterback that I feel comfortable with going toe to toe. With Patrick Mahomes. Can I can I give you a devil's advocate and say yes? I will tell you that a Seahawk led mm-hmm. Geno Smith has the ability to go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes. But it doesn't need to be expensive then. It's, I mean, it's an expensive quarterback. And if you're going to spend $40 million no, on Geno not, Smith, that's an expensive quarterback. Okay, fair. They're not a, doing that. A $40 million Geno Smith and what else you'd have to do in order to make that work? Yeah, they're not doing no, that. No, I don't see that player going toe-to-toe with Patrick no. Mahomes. And so number five is not going to equate. They're not going to – and I wouldn't call I wouldn't call Geno Smith an average quarterback because I'm going to call Geno Smith a good quarterback yeah. because of his buy-in to what – what the Seattle Seahawks want to do. I think what I'd like to do is if I if I were as I get closer and closer to my new friend, okay, uh, Anand. What I would like to suggest to, to him is he doesn't that, know you yet. But. No, not really. We just we just follow each other. <laughs> once on he gets once he gets yeah, to know the you. end of the friendship, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Okay, come on. I would suggest to him, and maybe he would if he had more uh, characters to use. It's Twitter, so he's limited. Okay, that he take out the word average and and replace it with good sub elite. Right, something other than elite. I don't like sub elite. Just say, just say good. Non elite. No, that's just, just say good. Good is the same thing as sub elite or non elite. Non elite or sub elite is disrespectful. I don't know. Sometimes you see guys. No, that's I, how you lose friends. Well, to me, it's anything other than elite. So, like that includes Kyler Murray. He's not even good. Like it, it includes guys who are expensive but not good. I think Kyler. I think Kyler Murray is better than what people think. No, he I stinks. Think, 
Kyler Murray's not good. No. He's not accurate. He's not a good leader. He's got all kinds of problems. But you have to point at the organization. We talk about this all the time. Then that leads to Kyler Murray being in a situation that he is. both those things are true. Hey, Kyler Murray, in your contract, you need to study more. Yeah. Like, what organization does that? Only a terrible organization. Absolutely. Do you want to go through some of these average yearly salaries and see what you categorize? No. No. They're all, most of them are so bad. Well, (laughs) If you're, but if you're saying like you get to a certain point where you're overpaying for average, where does that point start? Uh, what's Ryan Tannehill making? Ryan Tannehill's making twenty. His year average yearly is twenty nine and a half. Yeah, right around there. Can, Jared Goff's thirty two. Yep, million overpaying for average. Teacher, Kirk Cousins is thirty five. Yep, overpaying for average. Teacher, teacher, can I just raise my hand? Um. <laughs> I know Patrick Mahomes gets a lot of credit because he deserves it. Winning two Super Bowls in the amount of time that he's done. He's a really good quarterback, mm-hmm. very good in the clutch. But sometimes what gets overshadowed with these quarterbacks is the team aspect of it. Because the truth is the Kansas City Chiefs are a really good football team. Yeah, good coach. And just so happens to be the quarterback. Where I'm going with that is this. The, the drop-off in talent. So, for an example, you say, let's just take, we're talking about Geno Smith here. Let's take Patrick Mahomes and Geno Smith. So, someone's going to say, gee, Patrick Mahomes is 100 times better than Geno Smith. I challenge you with, okay, let's take this conversation to January of 2022. And I said, compare Russell Wilson and Geno Smith. The average person would say, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson is way better, 100 times better than Geno Smith. Question is, is, what has changed? The team. You see, a lot of times these quarterbacks get credit for a lot of things that the team does. I don't need to bring up Super Bowl Forty Eight. Did Tom Brady beat us? I'd argue to say, eh, Tom Brady really didn't so much beat the Seahawks. As other parts of the game beat the Seahawks. So as much as, let's get back to this quarterback. He was pretty good in the second so, half of that game. So, I'm, sure, I'm sure the defensive players are going to be apologizing for their role in that, yeah, but that, that's no, fine. Let's get, there. let's get back to this current conversation. Let's go back to Geno Smith. All right. Geno Smith, where he's maybe, he's not quote-unquote elite, but Geno Smith is really good. Mm-hmm. And he's really good in this system. And he's really good. And by the way, I do believe that Geno Smith will be the starter week one here in Seattle. So, how, so at $25 million? At whatever million, because here's the whatever million. Whatever million that comes from the Seahawks will be more that will come outside of here. I think this is where— Say that he, again? Whatever million comes from the Seahawks yeah. will be the best deal that Geno Smith So you don't get. think anybody else is going to be that interested? No. No, they're not. It's, it, look, if I look, but shout, shout out to my wife. It's her birthday today. Shout out to Lillian. Ooh. I know you guys get mad at me when I go relationships, but sometimes I got to help you understand it better. <laughs> you right help now, right now, I am better inside the market of my own home. Mm-hmm. If I went out to the free agency, mm. guarantee you, I will not find a better situation than I'm in now. Now, what happens once you get down to 200 pounds? Does that change? I mean, <laughs> no, don't answer wait, that. No, 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 don't no, answer wait, that. No, Whatever no, you no, do on your wife's no, birthday, don't no, answer let that. Me, let me answer. Okay. Let me answer. I don't know. Here's here's why it doesn't change. Uh-huh. Even though I'm at 200 pounds, yeah. I got age, oh, right? Yeah. This is not a this is not a G Scott 200 pounds 25. 
This is a 200 pounds, you know, know let me say a 27. Uh, I, think, I think your market might be uh, better than you think. I mean, it's better than it was. <laughs> it's better than it was a few pounds ago. Let's, let's stay on topic I'm here. sorry. I'm, I, I, I got distracted stay by your market. Yeah. Geno Smith's market value and what he is worth and going to get is going to be the best here. Why? Unfortunately. Why, why, why is it that, that I don't all think, of these quarterback needy NFL teams wouldn't be interested in Geno because, Smith? Because I don't think any other teams can look at Geno Smith and be like, oh, you know what? We can do really? better. Even, see, even with the accuracy and everything. So you're telling me, league 10 years. You're telling me that, so let's throw a name out there, just, just for a conversation. This is not going to happen. Come on. The San Francisco 49ers found out yesterday that Brock Purdy is like going to not even be able to have surgery for another month because of inflammation. Let's say Brock Purdy ends up needing Tommy John surgery. And they're looking at, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's money coming off the books. And Trey Lance has not worked out so far at all. And they have designs on a Super Bowl. You're telling me it wouldn't be worth it to the Niners to look at uh, Geno Smith and say, they're offering you 25? I'll give you 26. No. Really? It would not be worth it to the Niners to I do disagree. That. But okay, it, why? It wouldn't be worth it because they already have a quarterback staple right now. They already have Trey Lance. They already have what's going on with whatever would happen with Jimmy Garoppolo, who actually he came and took less. They got the situation with Brock Purdy. They are solid at the quarterback position. Oh, I'm no telling you that if that became in flux, if Brock Purdy has to have Tommy John is going to miss the year, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going back there next year. He's a free agent. Yeah. They're left with just Trey Lance, who's still on a rookie deal. Mm-hmm. If you were the Niners, you wouldn't spend $26 million on Geno Smith unless in that situation? Unless, I would. Unless I know that I can duplicate what the Seahawks have done. Mm. I, you know what? I got a secret for you guys. And I've had this discussion with numerous current and former NFL players. And what I'm going to say is probably going to be probably disliked by NFL scouts and GMs all across the country. But I got to say it. You know, the same way I talked about the talent gap between Patrick Mahomes and Geno Smith, and I gave you guys the example about the difference in teams, and sometimes it's the team around them. Mm -hmm. There's not so much of a difference in, hear me out, talent evaluation than the average fan and some of these NFL, quote, scouts. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Like, hear me out. You mean to tell me that Geno Smith has been in the league for 10 years, 10 years, nobody in the NFL knew that this dude could throw for 4,000 yards and become a pro bowler. Mm-hmm. Because the reason why is sometimes these NFL scouts and quote-unquote experts, they find out the same time you as the fan find out. <laughs> it, ain't rock, it ain't rocket science, y'all. Sometimes people try to tell you, oh, you didn't see what you see. I know what I saw. <laughs> Even 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 if you have never played the game of football, that's why it's so much this home. Oh, you need to have played the game of football. No, you don't. You got eyes. You have a feel for the game. You've been watching the game so long. So I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I'm just trying to say that sometimes that all of these, quote, experts hmm. and NFL scouts, they swing and miss just like we fans and just like folks on the hey, radio, too. Coming back to your point quickly, I, I agree on. with that, by the way. I think you're right about that. Um, your your idea was sign Drew Locke to short money, offer Geno 25, and say best and final. What if instead of Drew Locke, you do the same thing with Geno? You say, all right, 25 million, and you spend a second round pick on a quarterback. Nope. I don't think I could spend the number five pick or even the number 20 pick. Mm. 
Do you have any interest in Richardson or Hooker or any of these guys in the second or maybe third round? No, because I just had Geno Smith in my in my culture. I just had him around the guys everywhere. I just invested no. in a whole year. No, I'm not. Drew Locke or Geno Smith? I'm sorry, in, Drew, in Drew Locke. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm keeping Drew Locke You'd rather right here. I'm keeping... You, you, here's the what, advantage to drafting someone over Drew Locke, even though you're right about that. Right. You're right. That's the advantage of Drew Locke right. over a second round. Right. The advantage to Hendon Hooker, for example, is you get him for four years, right. not one. Yeah. And, and there's sure. some value in that, saying, hey, I got this guy in a rookie still, deal. Still and if I'm right on him, yeah, of course, everything's a gamble. Mm-hmm. But if I'm right on him, you know, I've got him for four years at short money, and that's a huge advantage. It's hitting, it's hitting it on 16 at the blackjack table. Mm-hmm. And the dealer is showing a, a, a face card. I mean, you, you're probably going to do it, but it's still a, it's still a gamble. I would do it anyway. I, I think regardless of what they do with Drew Locke and or Geno Smith, I'd like to see them spend a second-round pick on a quarterback. And I don't know who that is yet. I don't know if it's Richardson. I don't know if it's Hendon Hooker. I haven't spent enough time kind of on the specifics of the guys. But you got an extra second-round pick. Can I, I'd kind of like to see that happen. I just want to leave you with this. Please do. Because you just said you'd take a second-round pick on a quarterback. Yes. And I'm just going to say this to you flat out. I don't care if it's a first-round quarterback, second-round quarterback that's coming in this current draft. There is no quarterback right now coming into this draft that would be better than Drew Locke yeah. right now. I've heard that. You're not the first person I've heard say that. And I know there's, there are folks in the Seahawks building that believe that as well. So that that may very well be the way that they view this. Drew Locke is good, y'all. <laughs> and the thing is, the Seahawks know it. And that's why there's a possibility that the Seahawks look at Geno and say, hey, player, we already got a date for Friday night. You want to go to the Met or not? Because if you don't, we got Chick-fil-A with the backup coming over to watch Netflix. I tell you what, man, you get on the open market, even at your age, you lose a couple more pounds. (gasps) Number one show over there, G and Ursula's show. You're making power moves. You're meeting with executives all over this town. I don't know. The market for G Scott seems pretty good. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Better than when you first offered me. (laughs) It turns out you got better over those years, and now you're making more money. Go figure. The market for G is strong, uh, and he, uh, thank you, G. It was good to have you over here for a few minutes. Coming up next, uh, we're going to play a little buy-sell with this Mariners, little Mariners futures game. I might force Matt Nelson to answer, which I think will be great because he doesn't follow this at all. That's coming up next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com.